So, Lord willing, I'd just like to share with you guys a little bit of what, what the Lord has, has done and what He's doing. Um, I'd like you guys to turn to Psalm 107, verses 1 through 16. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the adversary, and gathered from the lands, and from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. For He has satisfied the thirsty soul, and the hungry soul He has filled with what is good. There were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains, because they had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness and for His wonders to the sons of men. For He has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. Now, I don't think I read this psalm till probably a year or two after the Lord saved me. But I remember the first time I read it, I realized you have the gospel in a psalm right here. And furthermore, I realized that was my life before I knew the Lord and how the Lord brought me to Him. One of those that had rebelled against the Most High. And because of that, He had just weighed me down with all these labors, all these burdens, all this angst and darkness and depression. And because of that, when I cried out, there was none to help. I looked to the world, I looked all around me, and there was none to help until the Lord heard my cry. And then He was there to help. And so really, it's just... I guess the, the story I'm about to share with you guys is just this psalm here. And just the story of every soul that has been brought to the Lord. He brings them low first, so that they'd be humbled in the dust and realize that there is no God but Him. And that He alone is the Savior in Christ Jesus. So that you would no longer trust in yourself or in anything in this world. Because you cry out for help and there is none to help. You think there, there will be. Your parents, your friends, whatever you might have in this world. But there's really none to help. And that's honestly the best place to be. The absolute best place to be is helpless before God. So, a little bit about the background. Um, in terms of family, I, I grew up in pretty much a, a divided family. My, my parents were divorced when I was in middle school, and they were pretty much on the road to that from about as early as I could remember with a lot of fights and strife in between. But they as best as they could in their lostness and their understanding of what love was and caring for children. They tried the best they could to love us and lead the family as they thought, but there's just so many lies from the world and from uh, other influences that it really was a pretty detrimental effect on our upbringing as it was. We were a nominally Lutheran family. Uh, my mom would push us to go to church on Sundays because it was the right thing to do and it was pretty much more of a social club where you'd make connections for various things and not really any love for the Word of God that I could see over there um, and was one of the things that very much deterred me from Christianity because that was what Christianity was, was a uh, dead liberal Lutheran church in Minnesota. That was all I thought it was and all that I figured it ever would be. Uh, my dad, however, back in the late 60s, early 70s, got swept up in the um, New Age movement with Hindu meditation, 
uh, Ayek Vidya School of Meditation and so on, and has very much continued that on to this day. And that was a heavy influence with a lot of Eastern beliefs and probably a lot of spiritual influences in the house that I didn't understand at that time that really leaned me in that direction. Uh, so growing up, that was kind of what I was believing, and it was a very odd mix of things. But I, eventually I forsook the Christianity and went wholeheartedly into the meditation and Buddhism. Um, but to be a little different, I decided to go with Taoism since that wasn't what my dad was doing. <laughs> it was still just as bad of a route. But um, Nonetheless, even while I would condemn Christianity and extol the virtues of Eastern religion and speak against any that were so arrogant to say that they had found the truth and knew the truth and that there was only one way in this world. I was still involved with the church because that was where a lot of my friends were. Same people that would go on the week-long mission trips to go build a house or repair someone's uh, house on an Indian reservation were the same ones that would go out drinking and partying and so on. Um, and that was just that was just Christianity as I knew it. That's the blatant hypocrisy there. And anyone that didn't fall in line with that in the church was pretty much ostracized and pushed out. I think there were probably one or two uh, remnants within that church that were trying to reform it, but we didn't really have time for them. Um, but the Lord used that to bring me on a mission trip to Africa shortly before I came to Truman. And while we were out there, it was through a new youth pastor that I think is probably actually a Christian. He didn't stay very long at that church, probably for good reason. Um, but he he led the, the trip out there to some Africans that he knew from a mission trip previously. And we went out to a small village surrounded by Muslims to lay the foundation for a church out there. And it was pretty much just service-oriented work, no evangelism or anything involved, which is why we felt comfortable doing it, because we didn't really have a faith to share. Um, but while we were out there, the Africans were probably the only Christians there that we could see. And they weren't just... Christian by name, but they lived it. There was this deep-seated joy about them. They had they had nothing. They they lived in little mud huts with rats crawling around the rafters and you know, killing a chicken in the front yard for dinner that night and going down to the, the well 300 yards to bring water back up. But they had more joy and more peace in their life than the whole of us put together. And any one of us in our passport pouch had more money than they would have made in three years. And yet with all that we had materially where we should have been happy and content, there was just emptiness. I mean, my, my friends were all depressed. Some of them were um, counseling. Some were suicidal. Some were this or that. And it was just, it was a horrendous mess in my life and the lives of all those people that I knew. They didn't have any answers. But these Africans seemed to have all the answers. Here's this, this joy and this peace in the middle of the jungles. And so I saw that, and it just it made an enormous impression on, impression on me. Um, and I, I remember clearly one night as we were leaving the jungles, they sang a goodbye song to us in their native language. And it was, I, I didn't understand what was happening at the time, but I know now it was probably the Spirit of God falling on that place. Because every single one of us just felt this quiet hush around us, and we all started crying. We couldn't even explain it, but just tears and just weeping were coming down from even the even the hardest sinner out there the guy that was smoking pot two weeks ago was just in tears and i I really think they were praying for our salvation because it wouldn't take long to see how needy that group of americans was that was in the jungles so nonetheless i came back from africa um, even more discontent with my life and wanting to change things and reform myself and do it by myself which is what i thought was the way to go 
and uh, drew the conclusion that, well, one of the reasons they were so happy is life was so simple in the jungle. So I will simplify my life. Shaved my head, started giving everything away that I had, just truckloads of things in my car down to the Salvation Army and thrift store and thought, this is it. And uh, about two weeks after that, I went over to, to Truman and was just basically like a monk living in the dorms and, and thought it was a little weird. But about a week here, I was just absolutely unhappy beyond anything. I, I hated America. I just... It was something about the, just the falseness of everything I saw around me. And just, it struck me so much that, okay, here's the problem. I was happy in Africa, so I got to get out of America. That's really the problem. The next conclusion I came to erroneously. So I decide I, I need to get out of America as soon as I can. So I go to the study abroad seminars that they have. And um, by the providence of God, I had done some college classes while I was in high school because uh, I was ready to get out of high school by about my sophomore year. And so with those accumulated, I was already a sophomore status when I came into Truman, so they were willing to let me go on a study abroad program, which was really just the mercy of God because I, I needed to get out of here. So I was trying to find somewhere in Africa, but everything was closed because of a coup in this country or something going on in that country. And... I thought, okay, where is the furthest possible place I can get from America that I know absolutely nothing about? I saw China on the list. I thought, all right, China sounds good. Let's go to China. So I go to China. I sign up for China and sign up for some Chinese classes, and they actually accept me. Still baffled, but I trust it was the Lord's will. Um, and before this is going on, I'm just becoming increasingly more discontent with this life in this world. I'm just looking, looking for answers in all the wrong places and decide that, I've found no joy and peace in anything that I've searched for. But the only thing I have not done is enter into a serious relationship with a girl and fall in love with her and give myself completely to her. So I thought, well, that sounds like a good idea. Let's see if that works. did not work very well. Um, we were together about two and a half months, and she found out I was going to China and not coming back for five months and said, I can't wait for you. Sorry, I'm out of here. And it it left me more broken than I'd ever been in my entire life because I had, I had made an idol of this young woman and made her my God and given her everything, every emotion, every affection I had, I'd poured into her. And if she took it, I was happy. If she threw it back, my life was devastated. And she threw it back. And I was, there was a period for two weeks I couldn't eat. I couldn't even sleep. I felt like someone had cut me open on the inside and just left me dying on the ground. And it was, it was the worst feeling I ever had in my life. I, I didn't even want to live. I, I remember it was about three weeks before I went to China, and I was just ready to die. I had no plans to come back from China, nothing. There was no life for me back here, and there was no life ahead of me. I thought, well, maybe something will happen out in China. Um, while I was getting ready to go out there, I had a job at a warming house at I don't know if you guys have warming houses here, but up in Minnesota, it gets really cold. We have a lot of lakes. So you've got to pay someone to sit at the little warming house so people can change their ice skates and go play hockey. So I did that. It was minimum wage, but I could read for eight, ten hours a day while I was on shift. And I got some books and just started reading through different philosophies and got my hands on Dante's Divine Comedies, the whole trilogy set of like 1,200 pages. Decided to read through the whole thing before I went to China, which I wouldn't recommend ever doing, but... It was still very good, and um, that how he started out his poem. I 
I, whether he was a Christian or not, I don't know. But there was enough remnant of truth in there in what he said. That he starts it out by saying, Lo, in the middle of my life I woke in a dark wood, not knowing how I got there. And he begins his descent down to hell. And I thought, that's where I am right now. I'm in a dark wood. I don't know how I got here. But I know I got here by myself. And I'm not going to get out of here by myself. I need something else. I need someone to show me the way out here. And so, because he wrote things in Christian overtones, although it was mostly a Catholic political commentary, which I didn't really understand at the time, I thought, well, maybe there's something to this Christianity bit. If something that was written 600 years ago still has a semblance of truth to me, maybe there's something in this Christianity that could help me that I've rejected. And that was, that was the last place I ever wanted to look, especially considering the friends that I'd fallen in with uh, at Truman. I'd joined some of the radical groups. I was actually meeting with the Campus Pagan Fellowship. I don't know if they're still in existence, but it was basically a bunch of Wiccans and uh, people that believed in the Greek gods and so on. And They would go out and do their little witchcraft circles out up in the, the woods over by the lake there. and was heavy into that, as well as um, the, the group that was helping publish the Monitor and doing radical protests on campus and everything. And I'd write stories for them and help organize protests and so on. And just, they were obviously, as they still are, very anti-Christian. And I definitely jumped right into that sentiment and said, well, I'm never going to accept this Christian thing because they're just a bunch of arrogant know-it-alls that think they have the answers. And you know, look at the hypocrisy and look at that. And, you know, everything we hear on campus thrown at us, that was me throwing it at the Christians on campus. Um, but the Lord had mercy, thankfully, and drew me to himself because I certainly was not going to come on my own accord. So I got out to China, and after about three or four weeks out there, I realized that all my problems had pretty much followed me out to China, mm-hmm. that really the problem was not so much America. It was not so much Africa. It, it was me. I was the common denominator through all of these things, and that the only way to solve it was to get rid of myself somehow. And so I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of at an impasse. I I was still very heavy into the uh, Qigong meditation, which is Chinese meditation, very uh, demonic practice. If, if you know anyone involved in that, that's lost. Just tell them to run as far as they can from it. Um, and still heavy into the Eastern philosophies and not believing you can even know what the truth is and that you yourself can become God and all the all the heresies that are still out there, basically. That was what I drank down. But I started reading through the Bible. And I got through the Gospel of Matthew, and it stunned me. And I remember three things just went through my mind. And the first thing was Jesus Christ is nothing like what I thought he was. He's nothing like what they taught he was in church. He was in church. He's certainly not as boring as I thought he was. Now, the second thing was that he really was the radical, that I wasn't the radical, that he was one who stood against what this world was about. And I thought I had always wanted to fight the grain and be against the world and be that different guy, be the person that wasn't like the world. And I realized I was just being like the world, but a different group that was trying to be different from the world, like Mason put it the other day. I was one of those guys. And uh, just realized that that wasn't what it meant to be radical. That what Jesus was doing, that was radical. And that was something I hadn't seen in the world anywhere, as far as I could tell. And the third thing I realized is that 
if the gospel is true, it's the absolute opposite of everything that I've ever known and believed and the opposite of everything I'm currently living in, that I had, I had a problem if I was going to face up to that. Um, I remember reading through Matthew chapter 7, and it made a big impression on me, uh, verse 15 through 20, where he's talking about the false prophets and the good tree bearing good fruit and the bad tree bearing, bearing bad fruit. And I remember there was a, another guy over there. Neither of us were Christians, but we were just up late at night talking philosophy like college students do. And I was telling him about this good tree and bad tree and good fruit and bad fruit. And he started crying. like, man, where would you get that? Just... I'm the bad tree. I got the bad fruit. It's making me feel horrible here. I thought, wow, if you're a bad tree, I'm a bad tree too. And so that that's when I realized that what Jesus was teaching was true. And I started to speak of him as a good teacher and believe that he was a good teacher. And there was one Christian out there in that group. Um, of There was about 14 of us from different universities across the country that were in this program in China. And there was one Christian an Asian-American who was uh, from New Jersey. And she had been going around meeting with everybody and having a meal with them. And I was the last person she went to because she could tell I was trouble. She said, I don't want to get in a relationship. I don't want to get involved with someone like you and so on. And she said, but I am going around talking to people. And, you know, I'm a Christian and this is this is what I'm about. I said, oh, yeah, I've been reading the Bible too. And, and Jesus is just this great teacher. And started talking about it. And she said, well... If he's such a great teacher, why don't you believe what he teaches? <laughs> and I was kind of floored. I made up some excuse and answer, and well, uh, this and that. And she's like, "You, you got to accept it all. You can't just pick and choose pieces." Because she had seen enough of my life and things, and what I had already said that clearly revealed I didn't know what the gospel was or anything um, to call me out on that. And that. It really kind of troubled me because I didn't have an answer for it. And I'd always had an answer for these Christians out there. And she had kind of caught me in a corner. So I continued on reading through the Gospels. And the further in I got, the more and more just his words were pounding on me. And I, I saw my sin. I saw what I was doing. I knew it was wrong. And I knew his way was right. But I was not willing to admit that Jesus Christ was God. And that Christianity was the true way because of everything I would have to give up. Primarily my pride. I had, I had built my life and philosophy around cutting down Christianity and about finding things my own way and my own truth. I was not ready nor willing to submit to the Lord in that. It was, it was really just pride. And I would even come before him and say, God, I, I know you're real. I'm not, gonna, I'm not giving this up. I'm not going to do it. And so finally kept leading me on, leading me on, and the burden just got so great one night that I, I couldn't even study anymore. I had a, had a quiz the next day, and I just I, I got to get out of here. Threw everything aside, just went down some alley where no one would find me and went to some Chinese tea house and just sat down and started writing out what what is truth, what do I know, and what don't I know. And I realized I didn't know anything anymore. My whole world was being turned upside down by this gospel and this Christianity. I didn't know what to make of it. Everything I had built as my base assumptions for reality was wrong. And I knew it, but I didn't know where to go from there. And I think the one conclusion I got out of that, and I actually still have the journal from that, was that I knew I was evil. And I knew that I did not know the truth, and I did not know the right way. And so I came back in, into my room, and I think a day or two before that, or that night, I'd read uh, John chapter 10, 
verse 1 where he says, anyone who enters in by any other way is a thief and a robber. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the door. I'm the way to go. And you try to come in another way, you're a thief and a robber. I realized that was me. I, that, that was basically what I taught. There's many ways up the mountain. You, you just pick the way that you go that seems best and that you'll get up there. That, that was my theology, if you'd call it a theology, is that there are many ways. You can go in any way you see fit. And I realized, wow, that I'm a thief and a robber. I'm trying to climb up this other way, and God is not pleased with me. And I knew, I'd seen enough of, of God in the Gospels to know that that was not a good thing to not be on God's good side. <laughs> um, and then I, I kept reading through and reading through, and I got to John fourteen six, where Jesus just looks at his apostles and says, Look, you know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. Not not anyone. And that that floored me so much. And it was like the Lord himself just spoke this word to me um, in a way that I knew it was it was true. Because I had I had been following Taoism for years. And Taoism, Tao means the way. Tao Te Ching is, is the book of the way, teachings of the way. But Taoism teaches you can't really know the way. The way is, is a mystery. The way is the, the inside of a circle. It's you know these esoteric truths that are paradoxes of each other. And I thought, well, there is a way, but you, you, know, you just can't know it. You just got to try to figure it out yourself. And here, all these other religious teachers said, oh, there's the way, there's the way, this is the way, that's the way. But Jesus pointed to himself and said, no, I'm the way. This is the way you go. And it, it brought everything together that God had been showing me for the last two or three months and just... I, I just fell on my face before him and just had to admit I'm wrong. I am wrong and I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I, I knew he was I knew enough from reading the gospels that he was a merciful God and that he might be able to forgive me. Um and just I, I don't quite know what I prayed to him, but I knew that when I was done, all of a sudden there was a love for Jesus Christ in my heart that was not there before. And I knew that he loved me, I knew he'd forgive me, and I knew now he was my God and my Saviour. It was like everything became new. Everything. It was it was like all of a sudden I woke up for the first time in my life and saw the world as it really was. Saw myself as I really was and realized how stupid I was, how foolish I was. And just it was it was amazing. I, I remember thinking, How can I love Jesus? I hated him. Where where'd this come from? And I, I realized it was just from the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so he he did several things at that time just to to confirm his dealings with me. And I'll, I'll just mention one and move on here. Um, I I couldn't have shown you where Romans chapter 6 was in the Bible at that time. Um, or even what Romans 6, verse 6 or 7 says. I'll, I'll turn there real quick. Something that you guys probably all know by heart now. Uh, but basically it says, Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. In, the, in those months around my conversion, a couple weeks after, there were, there were sins and bondage in my life, particularly sexual sins that I had been enslaved to for years. Things that were just despicable that I knew, even as a lost person, that these things were wrong. But there was no way I could free myself from it. I'd try to abstain. I'd try to quit for a couple months here, try to do meditation there. But it would always come back and enslave me. And I thought, Lord, I can't live like this as a Christian. I don't want to live like this anymore.
And it was, it was not like I heard the voice of God booming from heaven or something, but it was like the Holy Spirit just speaking to me in my heart saying, you don't have to live like that. You, there's freedom in Christ. You don't have to live this way anymore. And it was as if the devil was just on the next side of me saying, but you can't live without me. I'm all you've known. This is all you've known is the slavery. And you, you know you need this. You know you can't live without this. I thought, well, Lord, I don't know if I'm going to live or die without this, but I can't live with this anymore. Just get rid of it. And yeah, I, I just had to trust you to keep me. And it was it was like this huge struggle was going on that I wasn't even involved with. I was just kind of watching it happen as as the Lord just cut this thing off like a knife. And it never came back. I remember for months after, I was waiting for the darkness to come back. I was waiting for this bondage to come back. Just waiting because I thought, this is too good to be true. <laughs> These things have been plaguing me for years and years of my life, decades. I've never been free from these things. I thought, how could it just be gone? And I, I didn't know the theology behind it, but I knew that it was real. I knew that God had done something that I couldn't have done myself, that no man could have done, no religion could have done, but the living God could have done. And that was a mercy as I went back into America and was uh, surrounded by a lot of people that I thought were Christians at first, but turned out to not be. And I would always ask them, well, why hasn't God done these things in your life? Why is there not this reality that he had shown me out there? And so that's, uh, that's kind of what the Lord did in dealing with me and bringing me to himself. And, uh, I know when I came back, people thought I had pretty much lost my mind out in China. And they attributed it to culture shock at first. It wasn't for several years after that they realized why well, he'd become a Christian. But Mo, I remember having to pretty much give up all my friends back here, except for those that would tolerate me telling them about the gospel. Um, and that was hard. And I just I thank the Lord that eventually he led me here to this church through a rather providential series of circumstances. And uh, I've been able to fellowship with you guys to this day. So just, hallelujah, what a Savior. Praise the Lord. Dick?